about those uh, people getting baptized uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, we've got a little group of guys that are going to get baptized. So if you haven't been baptized and uh, you want to, please, please hang around uh, after today. It'll only be five minutes. I'll just run you through a few things, talk through what baptism means and what to bring, what to expect, where we're going to meet. Uh, we normally go to Altona as a church, and we have a picnic lunch afterwards. So even if you're not getting baptized, on the 2nd of Feb, just come along and be a part of it. Come and support these guys, and then have a picnic lunch with us at Altona in the park uh, afterwards. There's, there's a whole lot of shops there, so you can get some fish and chips or something else, or bring your own lunch. Yeah, it'll be a great time, 2nd of Feb. Wonderful. So I really hope that uh, you've been enjoying your friendship with God this week. I preached on being a friend of God last week, and I'm really hoping that uh, your, your time that you spent with God uh, was really rich and rewarding this week, that you are enjoying His presence, that uh, you're seeing Him in a new light, and, uh, and even the way you relate to Him. I really pray that it's changed for you. And... Um, Last week, uh, really, in the evening meeting, we had, we had an amazing time of worship. It went for nearly 50 minutes. We did go for 50 minutes. Nearly went for an hour, and we nearly didn't preach because there was such a strong presence of the Lord in the meeting. And uh, God is doing amazing things in our midst. Uh, there seems to be something that's just shifted in the spiritual and the heavenly realm. And uh, we're just really excited to see what God is doing in our midst uh, King David said that there's nothing better than being in the presence of God. He said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Amen? And uh, when you understand the richness and the joy of being in God's presence, it's, uh, it's something that you desire. You could be in that place of wanting to come to church on Sunday. You could, you could want that more than and be more excited than maybe an overseas holiday that you planned. Because David said, better is a day with God than a thousand elsewhere. That means better than any international trip you might go on, actually being in God's presence can be far better and far more exciting than anything like that. That's the excitement, I believe, that David felt about being with God. Something you'll find in the Bible uh, as, you, as you read the Bible is that the wisdom of God is multifaceted. It's not just, well, this is the way God... Uh, operates in this way. This is God loves us. It's actually a multifaceted uh, wisdom that, that He has and that He reveals to us. For instance, God is just and He is merciful. He's not one or the other. And if you think about them, they are almost two uh, conflicting uh, characteristics. He's just on the one hand. He punishes the wicked, but He's merciful as well. Um, he's the beginning and he's the end. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult for us to get our minds around these things. He calls the church an army, a body, a temple, a bride, and other things. Multifaceted. That's the multifaceted wisdom of God. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, I'll, I'll read out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible. It says, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. 
And uh, so sometimes our logical way of thinking can hinder us in trying to understand what God is meaning in Scripture because we think logically and we think one plus one is two. We don't see, we sometimes struggle to see the multifaceted wisdom of God. Sometimes things just simply don't add up. Jesus said if you lay your life down, you will keep it or you will find it. Now, logically, that doesn't make sense. If I lay my life down, I'll lose it. But Jesus said if you try and keep it, you'll lose it. <laughs> this is where the Holy Spirit steps in and gives us revelation to help us to understand the truth of God and the truth of the Bible. And I'm not talking about everybody sees the Bible or sees truth from their own perspective. That's never the will of God. And that is a worldly way of thinking to go, well, I see it this way and you see it that way. That's not God's will. It's one spirit and he is revealing the truth to us and it's not up to us to have our own opinion. He, the Holy Spirit, is bringing us to unity of the faith so that we all have the mind of Christ. Not one of us has the mind of Christ. One of us has our own mind. One of us thinks this way. One of us thinks this way. It is a, that is the way the world works. Everybody has entitled to their own opinion. Well, we serve God. We want His opinion. Our opinion doesn't matter. Amen? And so, the, although God's wisdom is multifaceted, I'm not talking about, well, everybody should have their own opinion. I see it from this angle. You see it from that angle. God's purpose is that we see it from the angles that He wants us to see it from. Philippians 3 verse 15 says, Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, point, Paul is saying, I believe God will make it plain to you. So he's saying, I want you to agree on what I'm teaching. Uh, and if you disagree, God will show you. It's, it's the will of God for us to see things as God sees it, not for each of us to have our own opinions. And so we need revelation from the Holy Spirit to understand God's multifaceted wisdom. And this truth that we're going to look at this morning, we need a revelation on it. It's not something that we can just understand uh, with, with our own minds. And partly it's because last week I preached on John 15, 15, where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Okay? But today, I want to look at how Paul called himself a servant. <laughs> it's multifaceted wisdom of God. It's not, okay, I'm no longer a servant, I'm now a friend. It's, yes, that's true, but I am still a servant. And God wants to add, we are his friends as well, but not lose that we're a servant. But we need revelation in order to understand it. It's the multifaceted wisdom of God. We're not one or the other, we're both. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 8. We're going to have a look at some of the verses there. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 10, Paul is teaching a principle about how we show love to one another, how we actually live our lives in, in a way which helps other people 
uh, grow in God and doesn't cause them to stumble or violate their conscience. But it's living in a way where we're putting others' needs before ourselves, where we prefer one another. That's what love does. Love puts other people first, puts ourselves second or last. And so Paul is doing this to help them resolve an issue in the church that's arisen over food sacrificed to idols. This is the issue. And Paul is bringing a biblical principle, and he's saying, actually, it's not about the food. It's whether you're showing love to each other. You, you, you're focusing on the food, but that's not the issue here. It's the fact that you're, what you're doing is causing another believer to stumble. That's the real problem. And then in chapter 9, it's kind of like sandwiched in the middle, is he applies this principle in a different area to his own personal life. It's the same principle, but he's showing it in his own ministry. And what he does is he starts off by showing them the rights that he has to minister as a servant of God and as an apostle. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, he says, Am I not free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus, our Lord, with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Paul planted this church in Corinth. It's because of him going there and witnessing and preaching the gospel that there even is a church in Corinth. This is what he's saying. Even if others think I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. And then in the, in the following verses, he goes on to list all of his rights that he has. And he says, he's as free as anyone else. He has the right to being accommodated and fed. He has the right for the church to support his wife in ministry. If he was married, he, he, he has a right to say, my wife should travel with me. And wherever we go, our expenses should be covered. He has the right to have his expenses covered. He has the right to be paid by the church. He lists all of these things and saying, these are actually rights that I have as a minister of the gospel. And then he says in verse 15, yet I have never used these rights. That's interesting. And in verse 19, he says this, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. See, Paul's primary goal was preaching the gospel. And he did everything and anything he could to have an opportunity to preach the gospel. And if that meant, hey, I'm laying down my rights, I'm not going to demand this, I'm going to do it this way, just to, because it opens more doors, that's what I'm going to do. And this is his heart. the Jews, he said, he lived like a Jew. To the Gentiles, he lived like a Gentile. Now that doesn't mean Paul was sinning. It simply means that Paul was, he was a born again believer, but he fulfilled the law. He lived in a way that he didn't break the law. 
He wasn't bound by the law, but he lived in a way that he didn't break it. So that to the Jews, he wouldn't be an offense. It would be an, an, an opportunity for him to share the gospel. And then to the Gentiles, he didn't demand that they obey the law, the, the Mosaic law. He didn't force that upon them. He said he, he lived in a way that enabled them to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior to both camps. That's how Paul lived, okay? doesn't mean he carried on and he kind of lived like a sinner or whatever while he was around Gentiles, and then he was a goody two-shoes while he was around Jews. That's not what it means, okay? It just meant he lived in a way where he didn't give people a reason for offense because of the way he lived, all because he wanted to preach the gospel to both, of both camps, okay? Paul looked for every opportunity. But here's the first thing I, I want to point out in this little passage. Point number one, I'm preaching on uh, being a servant of God. That's my title. Point number one is that Paul chose to be a servant. It's something we choose. It's not something that's forced upon us. It's something you and I can actually choose. And if we don't choose, we won't be a servant. It's... it's uh, it's our choice to make. Whether we can be a child of God, but we choose to serve or choose not to serve. Do you understand? We're still a child of God. He himself said he laid down his rights. He made himself a servant to all people. Not only that, but he saw himself as a servant to Christ. Romans 1.1. This is very interesting. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Just look at the introduction that Paul gives to himself. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, or a servant of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. So Paul introduces himself first as a servant and second as an apostle, which is unusual. That's, we've got to be honest here. Normally, you put your best foot forward. Amen. <laughs> I'd be saying, I'm Russell, I'm an apostle, Oh, and I'm, I'm also a servant. Paul's like, no, I'm a servant, and I'm also an apostle. He says, I'm a servant. That's something Paul chose. And then he says, I'm an apostle chosen by God. When you choose to serve, then God chooses what he wants to do with you. It's not the other way around. Not God, I'd like to be an apostle. I'm putting my hand up. I'm choosing. I'm available. Lord, I'd love to be an apostle. That's not how it works. It's I choose, Lord, to serve you. And then he chooses what he wants us to do. See, many people want to minister, but not many people want to serve. <laughs> if you are sitting here today... And you don't really know what God wants you to do. May I suggest coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to be your servant. And then you'll see things unlocking in your lives. See, a servant does the master's will, not their own will. And until we come before the Lord and we say, not my will be done, but yours, we will never know the will of God for our lives. Paul came before Jesus and he said, Lord, 
I'm your servant. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And he said, okay, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called them to do. Not the work which they've chosen. Not they thought, hey, this sounds like a great idea. We'll travel around the Mediterranean. We'll go to all the coastal towns. We'll go on ships and whatever. And we'll go and minister and plant some churches. No, the Lord chose them to do that. Because they chose to serve. See, it's not about what we'd like to be. If we're a servant of God, it's about what our master wants us to do. No servant comes in and says, well, I'm going to do this, 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 this. No, that's not how it works. If you're serving in a master's household, you go to the master and you say, what do you want me to do today? That's being a servant. I've met people who tell me that they are an evangelist. And I look at their lives, I have never seen them lead someone to the Lord, ever. And I'm looking and I'm going, you say you're an evangelist, but there's no fruit. Why? I think it's because they, they desire to be an evangelist, something they desire, but it's not something that God has chosen for them. Maybe they've chosen to be a teacher or a pastor or something else. But they, they, their desire is, hey, I've looked at that. That looks like a lot of fun. That's what I want to do. Well, that's not how it works in God's kingdom. It's coming before the Lord and saying, God, I am your servant. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, wherever you want me to go, I will go. That's being a servant. Not... Wherever you want me to go, Lord, I'll go. Okay, the Lord says, all right, I want to send you to Indonesia. Oh, but uh, I don't really like the food there. <laughs> all right. Wherever else, Lord, you want me to All right, I'll send you to England. It's too cold there, Lord. It's like, all right, uh, where? You know, if we're a servant, we've just got to say, God, wherever. Antarctica, right, I'm off. I am a servant of God. Wherever He wants me to go, I will go. Whatever He wants me to do, I'll do. The Lord says, I want you to set out chairs. Oh, but I thought you wanted me to preach. No, no. Set chairs out. <laughs> a true servant of God says, Lord, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And a servant doesn't sulk and sit all depressed because what they desired, God didn't say do. So now, okay, Lord, I'll do that. But inside of me, I'm miserable. I'll set the chairs out, but I actually wanted to be a pastor. And so I'll just, I'll do it, Lord. But on the inside, I'm upset. I'm sulking. I'm miserable. I'm depressed. That's not the servant heartedness that God is looking for. And you know what will happen? You'll just live for years and years in frustration. The remedy for this situation is to come before the Lord and lay everything down. And I mean everything. Every single thing. Lay it down before the Lord and say, God, it's all yours. Take it all. And whatever you give me back, I will do that. I'll sacrifice it all to, your, to you, Lord. It's all yours. 
If you keep them, they're gone. And if you give them back to me, I'll receive them. And I won't sit and sulk if you keep them all. remedy is spelled out in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. Paul says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies, your whole body to God. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. It's something that, it's my life. It's everything I'm going to do from this day onwards. I give it to God. It's a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How do we get to know the will of God? Where do we start? Bring your body and lay it down. Lay down your whole life. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You lay it all down. And then God begins to renew your minds. And then you learn God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. But there's too many Christians saying, I want to know your will, but I'm not prepared to serve. I'm not prepared to be your servant. I'm not going to lay everything down. I'll open a few doors in my home, but there's some doors that's off limits. There's a big tape over the door that is like no-go zone for the Lord. What's in there is mine. It's private. No one goes in there but me. It's a no-go zone even for God. And while we have that, we will never know the will of God for our lives. Being a servant is something we choose. And once we choose it, then God will show us what He wants us to do. The second point is that the role of a servant is the greatest in heaven. This is amazing. Being a servant is being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. On the earth, it's reversed. On the earth, being a servant, you're a nobody. No one wants to serve <laughs> you on earth because you're just like a doormat. People are walking over you. People are trampling on you. You're just giving, 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 giving and never getting any thanks back. You're serving, you're cleaning, you're washing, you're scrubbing, you're doing all this stuff for who? For another person. They get, all, they get to use everything. They get to enjoy the house. All I do is I get to clean it. That's serving. But in heaven, it's reversed. Serving is the greatest. As Paul says this in Romans 1, he says it like it's a boast. I'm writing to you, I'm Paul, a servant. Oh, and I'm also an apostle. Just think of this. He's writing to Christians in Rome. He's not writing to some little country town. 
He's writing to people that are in the capital of the Roman Empire. This is a big deal. This isn't just, oh, I'm writing to some people that, you know, they just, they're, not, they're not that big a deal. This is a big deal. This is writing to Rome. And Paul says, I'm writing to you. My name is Paul, and I'm a servant. It's like, sheesh, okay. What do you got to say to us? Imagine if you were writing. If I was writing, I'd be putting all the credentials up front. You know? Well, I, you know, I, I Paul, am writing this letter, and I've studied under this guy, and I've... And I've, this is my pedigree, and I've been around the Mediterranean, and I've planted so many churches. I've seen so many people healed. I have these degrees behind my name. You can call me doctor, apostle, church planter, author, author of Scripture, Paul of Tarsus. Oh, and I'm also a servant. That's how I would have written the letter. But not Paul. He says, no, I'm Paul. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. Why? Because in heaven, that is the greatest role you can ever get. We think on earth an apostle is someone great. A servant is greater in heaven. <laughs> and you can choose that. What about James? The brother of Jesus. Gee, that's something to say. I'm writing to you. I'm James. I'm actually Jesus' brother. I'm his stepbrother or half-brother or however it works, okay? Surely, that's something you want to put on your resume. James 1.1. This letter is from James, a servant of God. Wow. Doesn't even mention. And of the Lord Jesus. He doesn't say, I'm a brother. I'm a servant of Jesus. Not I'm his brother. And I'm writing to the 12 tribes. Jewish believers scattered abroad. I reckon what I'd like, I know we don't always have a say over what's written on our tombstones because we're gone and other people get, they could write anything they want. But I reckon probably the best thing a Christian can have written on their tombstone is that's the name, these are the dates they lived, a servant of God. That's it. There's nothing better. You know, there's nothing better than having that. You see, for me, serving God is our highest calling. Our highest calling. Hopefully, I've been a good husband. Hopefully, I've been a good father. And hopefully, I've pastored this church well. But more than that, I want to be a faithful servant of God. Because when I get to heaven, Jesus is not going to say, Well done, good and faithful pastor. Well done, good and faithful business owner. Well done, good and faithful wife. Well done, good and faithful nurse. Well done, good and faithful teacher. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. Yes, well done, you were a nurse. Well done, you ran a business. Well done, you were an engineer. You were a sparky. You were this, whatever you were. Well done, but did you serve God? <laughs> You were a good husband. Well done. But did you serve God? <laughs> Jesus said the greatest in God's kingdom is the servant of all. Mark chapter 9, verse 34 and 35. Mark 9. But they didn't answer because 
They'd been arguing. These are the disciples. The disciples had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. (laughs) Here they are following Jesus around. They're getting into an argument. Jesus asked them a question. They don't answer. They've been caught out. Jesus sat down. He called the 12 disciples over to him and he said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. How many of us want to be lost? Absolutely lost. There is the Lord doing wonderful things. People are receiving blessings. And there's a queue. Where do you want to stand? You want to dive in and get to the front? Hey, I don't want to miss out. Or do you want to be lost? Maybe when you get there, there's nothing left. That's a servant of God. See, I really think Paul understood this truth. He, he had a revel- We need a revelation of it. It's not something we can understand with our minds. It's something God has to show us. And back into 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, Paul says, Even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people. Why? Because he wants to be lost. <laughs> he wants to serve everyone else before himself. And so he says, I'm prepared to serve all people. I make myself, I choose to be a servant to all. I'm a friend of God, but I'm choosing to serve. Not I'm a friend of God, or I have access, I have special privileges. Praise God, these are my rights. Bang, 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 bang. I lay it down. Why? Because I want to see the gospel preached, and I want my master one day to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul understood the greatness of the role of being a servant. The third and final point is that Jesus is the greatest servant of all. Jesus is our example. And what a champion he is. eh? What a great savior and a great friend Jesus is. I mean, he has wonderful titles. He's called the King of Kings. He's called the author of salvation, the chief cornerstone, the prince of life and the prince of peace. The righteous judge, the son of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. But despite all these incredible titles, Jesus said, the reason he came wasn't to be served as a king. It wasn't, I'm coming, I'm the prince of peace. I'm the Lord of lords, I'm the king of kings. I'm the son of David, I'm the rightful heir to the throne of God. I've come here to serve. No. This is what he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just think about that. What kind of a king does that? This king who reigns in majesty and glory, who is infinite, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is, has all authority, he says, I've come to serve you. Wow. Not I've come to walk around driving limousines, have red carpets rolled out for me, have all this wonderful stuff going on. 
I'm the king of the universe. I want you all to bow down and worship me. No, I've come to serve. Why? Because he's our greatest example. He came to this upside down world to show how things should really be. He came to this world that doesn't value servant, servants. They're the lowest of the low. Jesus comes and he lives out the values of heaven. That's what he's living out. Heaven's values. And he's saying the greatest, the greatest is a servant. That's why I am the greatest. What am I going to do here? I'm going to serve. I'm showing you a value of heaven. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I love all the Bible, but some parts are just amazing, eh? <laughs> Even more amazing than others. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. Just, just see this, you know, I picture Jesus being in heaven, surrounded by myriads of angels in glory with seraphim, fire angels, worshipping him, and in, with a rainbow around the throne and just all that glory and the worship going on, and, and he left all that behind. He put it all on one side. Verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. That's what a servant does. We give up our privileges. We put ourselves last. We give it up for other people. We sacrifice because it's for the king. He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. In, in contrast to that, the devil did the opposite. The devil looked at God and said, I want that, and grabbed for it. And he got cast down. He got cast down. He, he was sent away. But Jesus didn't grab for it, and he was exalted. See the difference? Jesus gave up his divine privileges... He took the humble position of a slave or a servant, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so what I want to ask this morning is, do you see yourself as a servant? Have you come before the Lord and said, God, here is my life. It's all I can offer God, actually. I can't offer him more brains than he has. I can't offer him more money than he has. I can't offer him more strength than he has. What I can offer him is my life. And I can say, Lord, I give you my life. I lay it down before you. Anything you want me to do, anything you want me to say, 
wherever you want me to go, I'll do that. Because today, I'm choosing to be your servant. I understand that it is the greatest role that I will ever have. Nothing will ever supersede it. Even having kids, even getting married, it doesn't supersede being a servant of God. It is the greatest thing you can ever choose in life. We can choose a lot of things, but we will never make a better choice to serve God, to lay our lives down. That is your act of worship. That is holy and acceptable to God. We can offer God a lot of other things that may not be acceptable. But when we lay our lives down and we say, God, I'm willing to serve you. Not my will be done, but yours. What do you want me to do? I'll do anything. I'll do anything for the rest of my life. Not, okay, God, I'll serve you now in the hope that you're going to promote me down the line. Amen? Sometimes we do that. We go, okay, well, I've figured it out. I've got the stepping stones. You know, if I serve God, if I lay down my life now and I do my time and I do my chairs and my setup and my, you know, wash the car park and I don't know, whatever, you know, and then I get promoted. Now I'm in kids' ministry. Praise God. Hey, I'm serving in kids' ministry. Then I get promoted again. Now I'm in uh, leading home groups. Then I get promoted again. Now I'm an elder. Then I get promoted again. Now I'm a lead elder. Then I get promoted again. Now I'm, I'm ministering on the NCMI team. I'm an apostle or something like that. You know what Paul said? Being an apostle is the scum of the earth. It's like the dirt that you scrape off your shoes. That's how it works. All that happens is when you're faithful with serving, God gives you more to serve, more work. <laughs> yep, you've done a brilliant job sweeping this building. How about doing this building and the one next to it? Praise God, I get more opportunity to serve Him. And if I have to do that for the rest of my life, that's all I want to do. Because the most important thing to me is when I stand before God for Him to say, well done good and faithful servant. And if all I ever did was sweep floors, God can say that to me. Not, oh, get to heaven, all I've done is sweep floors. I've never pastored anyone. I've never led anyone to the Lord. I've never cast out a demon. I've never seen a person healed. I've never made a single disciple or whatever. God will say, if that's what he asked you to do, well done. I'm not expecting all this other thing. We don't need a million pastors. We don't. Well, maybe we do. We need a lot of churches planted. But if every single one of us was a pastor, where would the tea and coffee set up be? Where would the chair? We wouldn't have chairs to sit on. We'd all be crammed up here trying to fight over who's going to preach. And there'd be no one to preach to. Imagine that. That's what Paul is saying. If the whole body were an eye, how weird. Where would the sense of hearing be? Oh, we all want to be an evangelist. We all want to be a prophet. And no one wants to be a pastor. Because we've got our levels. They, we do a prophetic conference and we have thousands. We do a conference on serving no one pitches. We have to pay people to come and come to that conference. Amen. We think worldly ways and we need a revelation from God. If we had truly had a revelation from God, the this, this conference on serving would be packed and the other ones would be empty. 
maybe not empty, but there'd be less. If we had a revelation that the servant in heaven is the greatest position we will ever have. (laughs) Do you see yourself as a servant of God? Last week, do you see yourself as a friend of God? Well, this week, yes, keep that. But do you see yourself as a servant? You can be a friend and serve God. You don't have to be one or the other. Maybe you're grabbing after something that you desire. And God is saying to you this morning, let it go. Maybe, maybe there's something that you so desire. It's consuming you. You're going to bed at night. You're thinking, I can't sleep because I so want this to happen. What if it doesn't happen? What am I going to do with my life if this door doesn't open? There's nothing else I'd rather do. Can I just suggest the very best thing you can do is to bring it to God and sacrifice it. Lay it down. And if He gives it back to you, receive it. And if He doesn't, thank the Lord you never did that. You'd have made the biggest mistake in your life. It's, and you'll find that once you lay something down, you'll go, gee, I made a big deal about that, but actually, it's very easy. Now I'm free. I've got this weight. I can sleep at night. Now I'm free to say, God, what do you want me to do? Not, oh, God, please open this door. I so want this job. I so want this one thing. I, I so want to marry this person. Lay them down and say, God, if you give them to me, thank you. I receive that as something from God. But if not, praise the Lord, I never married that person. I'd have made the biggest mistake of my life. Because I'm chasing after my own fleshly desires. And that always produces, flesh produces flesh. It always results in a disaster. But the the remedy is to come before the Lord and just lay it down. Say, God, this thing is consuming me. I'm laying it down. I'm sacrificing it. If you take it away and never give it back again, praise the Lord. I never want to see it again. Because God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. He wants the best for us. If He gives it back, then the wonderful thing is your desires are gone. Then you can receive it and it's not consuming you anymore. Then you can just go for it and serve God in that thing and not be all, you know, all carnal about it. Amen? Let's put things on the altar this morning. Let's let's choose to be a servant of God. Let's put others first. Let's live our life for God and for others. And your reward will be great in heaven. It's not just getting to heaven. There's a reward in heaven. Heaven isn't our reward. It's wonderful, but it's not our reward. Your reward will be great. All we need to do is be a servant of God and be faithful with whatever He says. Let's stand. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. And to keep worshiping a little bit because...